Julie. Thank you. Uh, I always say that's my friend Julie coming on to let me know that we've we've started recording. Well, yeah, there's Julie. So uh, we got I, I'm pointing. I guess I'm pointing over there, but we don't know where Julie is. Julie could be over there. Julie's everywhere. She's in so, the etherverse. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, Julie. And uh, yo, man, boom, it's Rusty. It's Wednesday, and it's Wednesday. You know, you know, Wednesday. Every day is the same. Doesn't really matter. It's the day of the week. But the way I can remember what day of the week is by who is on my podcast today. <laughs> and today I have a very special guest and I'm going to bring him right on. Uh, we have Kenny Fitzpatrick. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a, it's a good morning. It's sunny here where I am, but apparently we're supposed to get some rain. So, you know, starting good at least. So you're in New Brunswick, not New Brunswick, you're in Nova Scotia? Nova Scotia in Canada. Nova Scotia. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, what I know about Nova Scotia is Trailer Park Boys, and uh, that's... It's a fine place to start. It's a fine place yeah. to start with. <laughs> yeah, Nova Scotia is, uh, I mean, if, if anything tragic really happens, we'll become an island because we have a small piece of landmass that connects us to the rest of Canada. Um, we kind of look like uh, just the end of uh, uh, an axe in a way, a long sliver of Canada. But um, we're in the East Coast and uh, surrounded by ocean and lots of fishing and lots of Highland dancing and some great old music out here. Do you do any of those? Uh, so I do not Highland dance. I think that I, so my day job is I'm the executive director for Dance Nova Scotia. So I look after dance for the province and uh, not, not um, uh, doing shows or anything like that, more from a governance kind of standpoint and advocacy. But so what um, is that? Oh, so um, it, as a provincial organization, we um, we do outreach to the rest of like the dance schools, the dancers, um, uh, companies, that kind of thing to make sure dance is represented in the province. So whether it's from a discipline standpoint, like ballet, tap, jazz, or from a traditional standpoint, like culturally, like African dance or Ukrainian dance. Um, and then Highland is a traditional Scottish dance. And it's a huge part, Nova Scotia means New Scotland. Uh, so, you know, Highland dance is really, and Highland games are big here. So it's a big part of tourism. But for me to do Highland dance um, would probably, well, I think some people may, uh, you know, just drive off the road to, to see it <laughs> happening. But hey, I'd give it a chance. I'd give it a shot. Um, so no dancing. Music I'm involved in, but that's from my side project um, with the Q uh, LGBTQ Creative Network. Um, I advocate and support artists um, from the queer community um, to get heard, and I create radio shows and I create podcasts and blogs and interviews and all that kind of stuff. So music, yes. Um, seafood, no. I'm allergic. So there we go. Two uh, yes to one and no to two. But I'm an avid fan. <laughs> I like it. So with the music, are you are uh, you like the uh, advocate? Are you like the uh, what would you call it? like the, the producer or like the, you know, your your marketing or whatever? Or are you are you producing like making any music as well? Or are you just no. like, hey, here's everyone out here who's, who's making music. Check it out. It's awesome. A little sort of bit like that. that. A little bit like that. 
right. more the annoyance to some people because I will be like, hey, award show, um, what is your representation like? How are you kind of managing that stuff um, in terms of diversity from a genre standpoint, but also from um, an inclusion standpoint? And not just, you know, uh, uh, queer, but also, you know, BIPOC and, and, and different cultures as well. So I do a little bit of that. I try to introduce to young queer kids. Um, I didn't have, I'm a huge music fan. I've always been a big music fan, classic rock, disco, you name it. Um, I've always well, been a big- it, Is it everything? Is it What's everything? That? Is, there, is it everything or is there something you don't like? Is there a kind of music you hear it and you're just like, oh, this, this sucks. I, uh... I would say no. And okay. I think when I was younger, I, I knew what I knew because of what was in front of me. And I came from a rural area, so I didn't have access to a lot. As I grew up, I moved to Toronto um, for a number of years and I worked in the largest music retail store there. And I was thrown into the world music section, which I knew nothing about, absolutely nothing. And I just drove in and I dove in with a big spoon and just started eating. And I just realized there was so much that's out there. We had a huge classical and jazz department in there, and I learned a lot from the folks who worked there. So I would say no. I would say that there's sounds that can be used that maybe are not my, um, am, do I know a lot about uh, speed or death metal? No. Do I have an appreciation for the people who make the music? Absolutely. Um, could I listen to a lot of it? I don't know if I could, because it is it's a sound that can be jarring. So sure. that's, Absolutely. that's my most diplomatic way of saying <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't be diplomatic on here if you don't want to. Um, <laughs> so then with the, the music, being in a music store. So, I mean, uh, and being able to, I mean, did they have like the, you know, you go to some part, you can go and bring the CD up to something, put headphones on, preview tracks. Is that something? 100%. So we had, that was, the, that was the desk. Nobody wanted to work the desk. No one wanted to work the desk because the whole entire world wanted to listen to something. So they would keep bring it up. You would open it, you'd put it in, but you had, um, I think at the listening station at that store, there was something like 15 to 20 seats. And it would oh. be full. So it's kind of like you're a music bartender. Um, people bring up and here's what I want on the menu. And then they would have a stack of CDs and they may be just like settling in for the day. Um, so you were Whoa. pretty busy there, but you couldn't leave. You couldn't, you were stuck behind this thing. So nobody really wanted to work the desk, but it was a really great way for people to be able to hear things before, especially if you know, back in the day when people used to buy a lot of albums, we stream so much now and people buy, you know, uh, songs versus albums. I'm still a lover of the album. Um, but, you know, at that point in time, you would hear a song on the radio or a vi music video. You didn't know what the rest of the, the album was like. It was a great way for you to find out if you wanted the full album or not. Um, and nine times out of 10, if you were a fan of the music, people bought the album. So it was great for the artists. It was always kind of weird. I think I only came across a few times where I ended up buying the single of an album or, you know, a single of a album where there's maybe like one or two or sometimes up to like four tracks, which is, you know, a, a small album in a way, but. Well, um, and if you were buying the cassette single or the vinyl single, you were yeah. basically paying for the album off four songs. You may as well get the album yep. and go the I, full tilt and find the hidden gems that were on it. Right. 
Right. Yeah. The, uh, you know, sometimes, and then sometimes, you know, like there's a track 99 or something on there uh, that's way out there. And then, you know, um, or a hidden track. Yeah. Or a hidden track. Yeah. Just right in there. It's like, okay, well, this song just keeps on going. Cause I mean, if you, I mean, you wouldn't know that if you were just, you know, listening to something like a single, but yeah, you get a track that's, you know, eight minutes long and it ends after two minutes and five seconds. And you're like, why is this track eight minutes long? And then uh, you're like, oh, okay. But then, I mean, without the whole album, you're not getting the whole story. I mean, like you can listen to a track over and over. And I mean, there's tracks that listen to over and over to, uh, you know, repetitively, which was always an interesting thing. Like sometimes there's a song that comes out and you're driving in your car and you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna listen to this six times in a row. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for the most part, being able to do the album because that's the way that the artist intended for it to be was to be able to tell the story. And it's just what one snippet of a thing. Cause I mean, most of the songs that ended up being the radio hits were ones that usually were kind of their fuck off tracks or the ones that they, you know, they had very to rarely. Make it for people to, to listen. Um, and it's not to say that they didn't like the song. It's just that you, I mean, okay, for a really good example, you know, you look back in the 70s and, and the 80s, um, music was really about storytelling. And so many of the artists that were putting things out there, you know, whether it was, you know, classic rock, like, you know, Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin or even early Kiss, that, right? There was a lot of story that went into there. You know, Neil Young's a really good example of that. Um, as you know, the 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 more sensational sounds of music came out more and more. Um, it became less about the storytelling and more about the hits. Um, so that was fine. You could go and you could buy a single for the hit, but if you were wanting the full kind of comprehensive story for from a, from an artist, you'd get the album, and it probably wasn't. Um, a pop album necessarily or or a dance album it was probably a rock or acoustic or some kind of folk or you know sounding uh, uh artist um yeah. but now it's kind of like it's so weird because i'm listening to the to the radio and hit radio does this it's like taylor swift has a new song nothing against taylor swift i think that she is she writes a mean pop song she really, really does. She has done so much with her music, but I kind of want to be surprised sometimes because I like Taylor Swift. I think she's great. Um, and a song will come out, but not one song. Suddenly the radio is playing six songs off the album, like six singles are being released. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need, I need this in, in, you know, at different intervals. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. like they're previewing yeah. the full album, but in, you know, Billboard magazine, the first 10 songs, all the songs off a Taylor Swift album. And that kind of irritates me in a way because the streams now make it difficult for some of those other artists who don't have that popularity to actually get on there and get heard because nine of the 10 spaces on the Billboard 200 are being taken up by the same artist because of streams. That's crazy. That's crazy that that it can be that way. I mean, there's, you know, stories of like the, you know, uh, 
dark side being on for however many years and decades and stuff yeah. but i mean yeah like having one artist have nine or ten of all the you know the top songs i mean that's it was always interesting you know what was the the you know the top you know whatever hundred even top hundred songs of yeah whatever genre and you know now it's it is is hard to do that and like with yeah six songs right away that's and that's not the artist's fault that's the yeah. industry's fault right the yep. industry is doing that because they want as much money as fast and as quick and they want the hype um they're a business yep. they're not in it for the art form they're they're in it for a business there are people in there who are totally in it and love it for the art form but at the end of the day it comes down to gross percentages and you know and who, how much money is coming through the door so it's not the artist's fault but it kind of ends up pitting artists against one another in a sense sometimes when i think that that's the the, the wrong approach to music music is what meant you, to bring people together i agree i agree um, so have you ever experience any of the uh uh like the the record label side of it have you had any interaction with them and like certainly what, what kind of have certainly <laughs> have um it's a it's a monster all of its own and i think anything entertainment really is because most of the people who are in control a lot of the times were never part of the art yeah um they're part of the business side um so it it's an, it can be a really ugly place it can be an ugly place for anybody who's not either um in that fits into the format of what currently is trending um and it can be really difficult for anybody who's a woman, a person of color, a uh, different sexuality, because it's just not, pe people say that, you know, oh, music, it's for everyone. Well, sure it is, but to get through the door, no, it's not. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenge. And you see a lot of ugly in there because when money comes into play, uh, it, it really changes the dynamic of things, right? Uh, it changes personalities, it changes you know what priorities are and it changes how you attend to or don't attend to individuals and, and artists themselves so are you saying that there's sort of like a a an underbelly sure an, yeah an, an <laughs> underbelly of the uh music industry um that there i mean so there is there like sort of like a don't don't uh you know fix what's not broken like if they're they're making money don't don't change change what they're doing like you know they're not able to take on new ideas with and new artists of different I backgrounds i think it's a threat i think that if there's something that's a threat to some uh it's yeah you you, you try to squash that right you try to squash that um Artists don't see it as much because artists will see, and I want to get in there. I want to get a deal because then I have funding to be able to make the kind of album that I want to be worked with the producers that I really respect um, and be able to be heard more and seen more. Um, so artists get in there because they want their music to grow. They want to be able to create. Um, what's on the other side of it is the, you know, the business mechanism, which is we want that too but only if 
it doesn't come at a cost to these things over here. And you're seeing a lot of artists now who are not going to labels anymore. They're releasing on their own because the internet has allowed them to do that. Um, you're seeing a lot of artists, independent artists especially, who are releasing um, without labels, you know, doing it all on their own. The DIY, this is the, the, the time of the DIY artist um, yeah. that are looking at it and they're saying, I'm killing myself to, you know, it's going, hey, look at me, take a chance on me when everybody is doing that. And they're kind of going, I'm spending all this time and energy doing that when I could be putting it into my craft and into my art. And you're seeing artists come together now and making kind of boutique agencies of themselves and supporting each other because they are becoming all in one. They're becoming marketing teams. They're becoming producers. They're becoming engineers, mix masters. Part of what I do is I try to find those folks out there who are really good at their craft like that, who are also independent, and then introduce artists to them. Uh, oh, okay. per perfect uh, point. Uh, so there's a gentleman in Toronto, uh, an artist by the name of El Hashem, and he is a Lebanese artist and is just um, starting out into his English language music, um, you know, creating uh, uh, a lot of music in his, his own language, but now getting into English and, and starting to write on his own. So I connected him with a producer over in the UK by the name of Hectic, um, who's incredible and he's, he's just so creative and he can take something that maybe some producers wouldn't be able to tackle because it's coming from a, a place of, of someone's culture and be able to kind of turn it around, keep that cultural feeling and turn it out into a dance track, right? And remix it for them. And they yeah. work that, like that collaborated that. They, they both make money off of it. They don't lose any money off of it. And the cost of it is lower because you're working with somebody that you're connecting a relationship with and not out of an industry piece, right? So it's- Yeah, yeah. and then I think also with a lot of the- you know, people who get signed, I mean, they're basically, you know, they're, you know, set to like, you know, make three, four, five albums when they get signed. And then, uh, you know, it saves $10 million and they got to pay for, you know, the, uh, the marketing fees. You got you to pay your manager. You got to pay the producer. You got to pay time in the studio. You got to pay for, you know, the next one. And then, you know, by the time they get, I mean, they're basically. So know, many artists maybe... ended up being bankrupt off of their first smash album. Mm -hmm. uh, TLC, really great yep. example. Um, because they just didn't understand that here's the money up front for your album. You're going to make it and all that kind of stuff, but you don't really make any money until you paid back that amount of money, which could be two albums down the road and yeah. there's a lot I think that um artists going into contracts negotiations now are much more savvier because of the history of a lot of these challenges that artists have had but there's still there's still that piece that's in there that artists really need to be aware of they're just they're getting more savvy and they're getting to the point where they realize I want to make good music I don't want to make what you want me to make and I may have to spend 20 years getting to a point of comfortability with this rather than two years but at least I'll have my career and I'll have done it my way and I'll have the money that I make is my money kind of yeah because I mean like how much could 
with being an artist, I mean, how much could that just hurt you on the inside of having someone just to push you through real fast, but then at the same time, you're giving up so much of, you know, if they think to do it, they get you into a certain, you know, package that they have you in, but, you know, you still want to do something out there, but you're kind of being limited to what they have to put you on this, you know, tried, tested and true method of do this, you know, this very cookie cutter yeah. approach. And um, I mean, that's kind and depending of on who your, your demographic is that responds to you, it changes, it changes the whole pattern and the pathway of where, which way you're going, because I, I will take, uh, I, I can't speak for the man, never met the man, um, even though he's a, a great Canadian. I would say Sean Mendes may be one of those artists who never really was supposed to be this international sensation the way that he is. But his look, his demographic, the music that he was making at the time, because he was young, kind of almost trapped him in this this pattern and this pathway to get to where he is now but I don't know if it necessarily was something that was healthy for him or was the one it was the thing that he necessarily wanted he may I mean god love him he may never put out a pop album again he may put out just kind of really in he doesn't need to he can do whatever he wants to I think that that's one of the things but at what yeah. cost did it come yeah and uh, how much is he looking back at that and you know yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe it meant nothing to him, you know, everything that he did. And maybe it meant nothing to him what the, you know, the executives or the uh, the music collective that's listening to him did. But, you know, maybe it meant everything to him. Could have. And when you're young like that, too, you don't know. I mean, the history of youth in music and youth in entertainment itself um, has shown us that there's a lot of harm that can be done and that, you know, there's, there's a lot more care that needs to be put into it because suddenly at, you know, I mean, Sean Mendes is what, 22, 21. Uh, I remember when he started and he was like 14 and that's when I first heard him. And I was kind of like, wow, this is, this is young. And by the time he was 17, he couldn't go anywhere because he was Sean Mendes. And yeah. that's, I mean, at 17, I was just being stupid and jumping off a bridge somewhere, probably like, you know, going swimming yep. and, and doing stupid <laughs> things, drinking beer at a, at a, at a party and, and being sick and, and being stupid. <laughs> um, whereas he was going around the world, you know, and, and, and history has shown us that the music industry can eat kids up, eat youth up and spit them out and just disregard them. Um, when they're done with them and say, now we're on to this next one. Yeah, I mean, there's always someone there that's waiting to take their spot. Completely. You know, there, there's never going to be a, uh, you know, a lack of someone being like, hey, I want to be the next Sean Mendes. And uh, they'll be there. They're, they're there because there is a Sean Mendes and they see that that's what they want because they think that that is is the what you're supposed to want in music. I've had this uh, um, discussion with artists before that, you know, <clears throat> I used to say this when I worked in um, post-secondary education, I worked with students for, for years in university and student services. And I used to say, you plan this event and you want 
a thousand people to be at it, but you've never sat down to think about whether or not the event you've planned is a thousand person event. It may only be a 200 person event and you kind of have to be okay with that because that's what you're creating. Um, and I've said to artists before that, you know, you can have a long career. You can, you know, get out there, play live. It can eventually become your, your income and you can make some really great music if you want it. But if what you want is to be a star, there is um, a handful of them in a, in a world of millions of artists. And that it's about managing your expectations. And if you can sit, say to yourself, I want a career, I don't necessarily need to be a star, then go after the career, go after the hard work and that kind of thing. It may turn into stardom. You know, Ed, Ed Sheeran's a really great example of someone who I've, that album, his first album was over two years. I listened to it two years before anybody ever heard about it. And I was just like, yeah, this should be nominated at the Grammys. And then it was, and I was like, are you kidding me? Um, Cause he was busking on the streets and we used to see videos on YouTube of him. Um, and he got snapped up, right? Like he, but he was doing it on his own. He was making his own music and producing those music. And he sweated to get that first album out. Um, and look at him now. Like yeah, it's same unbelievable. Thing go anywhere but, with that everyone recognizing him and yeah um, but that's not going to happen to everybody but it could happen but if you go into it with the right attitude and look at it and say this is what I want my career to be I want to be able to be an artist then get to the point where maybe I'm helping other artists and and producing because producers make good money right and there's always if you can connect with somebody um you know, I'm, I'm looking at how many women producers are coming out of the woodwork now because women have not had a, a place in the in the production line uh in the oh, producing really. uh area uh for a long time they've tried but they haven't been able to break through as much um but they're really starting to come on strong now and i think that you know there's there's so much room for an artist to still be an artist to to, to open themselves up but if you're trying to catch that star it's like mario you know, yeah. you're, you're always chasing the star and, you know, eventually the game ends. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, time runs out. You get the little <laughs> musical do, 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 yeah. do, 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 I don't think of a woman producer, you know, off the top of my head, but then I'm on TikTok because I mean, all, all my shit that I make for my music is all mostly analog stuff. I, I got really old shit. Uh, I mean, yeah, like there's but, nothing. Listen, there ain't nothing wrong with analog. People say nope. digital, but like there is some stuff that has come out of analog that is so good. Did you ever see the documentary Sun City that Dave Grohl um, did uh, about the old Sun City, California studio? And they were tearing uh -huh. it down and rebuilding it. You need to, you need to see that the amount of people who recorded in that studio um, and that came back because they were doing this documentary because the studio, because everything was switching to digital, right? I mean, digital is easier. Yeah. And because it's the digital age, you're pushing to the digital, you know? But I mean, I, I've, um, this is, and this is how much of a nerd I am. 
right? It's kind of like you're up at late at night. And it's like, oh, there's a documentary on of, uh, uh, oh my God, whatever. And I'm just kind of like, I'm going to dive into that. And yeah. it's, you know, Manchester Orchestra, who I love Manchester Orchestra. And they did uh, a documentary about creating their album, Black Mile to the Surface. And, they, you know, they found that house, they got in there, they dragged all their stuff in there, and they just conquered down and created what I think is probably one of the best albums in the last 25 years. Um, and I just think that there's still, there's still cool music being made and they're doing it in cool ways, I think. Yeah, as long as you don't have to move too often, no. uh, it's good. They're, uh, yeah, I've moved in the last four years, like four or five times. And every time just going to set my studio back up, it's like, I just like, but then I see people, you know, with that come and just can have everything on their laptop. And I would just, it, it drives me crazy. But at the same time, like, I like being able to go, you know, uh, use my old set. Like I, I made, I made music on a couple of PlayStation twos with uh, like an old as DJ mixer. And like, we used to go in my buddy and I, and we'd have two little, uh, this was before flat screen TV. So they were like the, the small TVs that were about this, you know, this big, yep. but they were, they were pretty heavy. And so, you know, we go in with all that stuff, uh, you know, show up at a place and, you know, take us, you know, 25, 30 minutes to set up. And I mean, now people can just, I like, uh, I've seen people um, come in with their cell phone and just plug their cell phone into the PA and then rap over it. And I'm like, that is so brilliant, but I wish I could do it. But I mean, I could do it, but it's just, it's such a different, different it game. It's very different too. And um, <clears throat> there's a sound quality. Um, I, I get a lot of music. <clears throat> and there's there's something to be said with doing digital and not really knowing what you're doing and it can be harmful to the product that you're creating the the craft that you're creating um because there is it's not about that there's a there's an ease to it but there's also an understanding um and there's a you can hear if something has not been mixed very well, even though it's digital and the vocals may sound really, really clear, you can yeah. tell that the levels are not adjusted well, or there's you know something kind of going on there that they didn't really understand. Whereas if you get something and you can be in the same situation and not be doing it digitally, the quality and the sound that's in it is, there is, I mean, there's a nostalgia there for me um, as somebody who's older um, that, I appreciate, but even now today, it kind of cuts through some of the digital noise because you do take a, a, a notice to it and you're kind of like, oh, what did, what did, they, what did they record this on? Yeah. Um, you know, and not everybody has that ear and not everybody looks, look, like, looks to listen to that. Um, I do because I can, you know, it, it turns my head and I'm like, ooh, because I remember back to, there's, there, it is wonderful to remaster things, I will say. It is nice to bring things up in quality and, and whatnot for today's time. But if you have an original recording of, and I'll use Jolene as a really good example. If you have an original recording of Jolene, um, there, is, there is nothing like it. 
You can remaster it. You can reproduce it. You can do whatever you want to with it. But where that song came out of that Dolly Parton laid down, um, there, like the angst, the trauma, that the 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 emotion that's in there, uh, is it's hard. You don't. I don't want it reproduced. I love it. Um, so when people record um, and they don't go digitally, yeah, it's kind of nice. I it's a throwback and it's nostalgic, and I think it's. I think there's still a place for it. So then what, what's your favorite way to listen to music? If you have, I mean, is it, uh, is it, are you a vinyl or are you eight track? Are you a cassette tape? Are you a CD or I, you know, dip, download? It, it depends, right? A lot of the time, like I buy my music. Um, and a lot of the times I will, you know, buy, if I can buy from Bandcamp from an artist, I definitely will. Um, yeah. For me, it's it's hard now because even though you may enjoy it, vinyl is hard because not everything is created in vinyl. I love the crack of a vinyl. I love the sound of the needle and you know, the 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 lines of vinyl. I love that. They're literally sitting right there is an old 1927 gramophone um, with cool. with vinyl records that are probably almost three times. The, the width, the thickness of, you know, today's, today's vinyl, because that's how it was. And they use nails for needles. Um, and it's super cool. And I got that from my grandfather who passed it down to my mother and who passed it down to me. Um, wow. And there's just something about that sound because you, it's hard to, to really, I guess, understand unless you grew up with it. If all you've ever known is digital, when you go back, sometimes you think it sounds bad, but what it is, it sounds real. Um, and there's echoes and there's things that are picked up on old analog that are usually kind of massaged out of in yeah. digital. Um, and, and I think that there's, it's, I like to sit down and regardless of whatever it is, I like to be in my car. Um, I love to drive and listen to music for the first time so that I'm kind of by myself, especially if it's going to be an artist that I really, really like, because I want to hear the music. And then I go looking for like where the, how they put it together and different things like that. Cause there's often a lot of stuff on their websites or, you know, downloads and that kind of thing where you can get the tracks or you can get like the demos of things. And I kind of like to, to go and look for stuff like that, but it depends. <laughs> So track. I haven't seen an eight track player in such a long time. I I saw one, but that's only because I had a like a a reselling business, and so I'd find all you know. I found one, and like the whole time I was doing it, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, but I mean, so when you're in your car, uh, so I mean, are you listening? Is it, you just have it on your phone? I mean, or, are, are, you, are you do you have a tape deck, or you do you have? Do you have the, the thing that plugs into the tape deck that you put your CD on there where it skips all the time? The no, CD I have player. a CD player in the car. So there's, there's okay. a CD player in the car and then I have my aux cable for um, my phone. Um, and I listen to a lot of radio. Uh, wow. I, I, I love, I'm a big fan of radio. I have, you know, a radio show. I have two radio shows on Thursday nights. One is the 80s, and I like to dive deep into some old 80s music. Uh, and one is uh, my LGBT, my out loud um, LGBT music uh, uh, show. But 
I listen to a lot of music and I listen to a lot of satellite music too. Um, so I'll go on Sirius XM and I'll find some of those channels that, you know, people will listen to like, here's my four channels I listen to. Um, I listen to Alt Nation because I need to know what's happening in that world. Cause that's, that's where my heart is, is in, is in alt rock alternative yeah. music. Um, but I also need to know just what's quirky out there, you know, what's kind of happening. And I'll go listen to some like cafe music or I'll listen to some, you know, I'll listen to Octane and see what's getting heavy. And I just like to listen to music and kind of see what's happening out there and, uh, and get inspired a little bit by, by the music that's being created that I haven't had the chance to listen to. I do this thing called some 41 Saturdays, which is, um, and I call it some 41 Saturdays because some 41 is who I tend to come back to a lot of the times. But what I'll do is Saturday mornings, a lot of the time I will just put on the headphones and I will listen to music and I'll listen to music. I haven't listened to in a really long time. Um, it's some 41 always gets in there. Um, I'll be like, Oh, I haven't heard fat lip for a while. So I'll, I'll throw in some, some 41 suddenly three hours have gone past and you know, I've had another some 41 Saturday, but I'll do that with different music or I'll do that late at night. If, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm staying up later and I don't want to watch anything and I'm kind of want to kick around. Uh, I'll just put on music and see, take that time to listen to some stuff that I haven't had a chance to listen to yet. Do you, do you ever go on to those radio, uh, like where you can tune into any radio station around the world, like, like one of those websites. Type thing? Yeah, like a tune-in type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, where, where were some places around the world that you sometimes tune into that may be unknown to the, the listener? Well, my I follow, because my show is on a community radio station here, um, I try to follow a lot of community radio stations out there in the United States, in the UK, Australia. Um, because then I find radio stations that I'm like, I wonder if they would like to have my show. So I've been able to put my show, my um, out loud show, my LGBT show on two stations in Australia, one in South Africa, two in the UK, three in the UK, um, one in Toronto. And a lot of them are uh, internet radio, but some of them are broadcast radio. So I, I spend a lot of time kind of listening to college radio, seeing what they're playing um, and just, you know, I think that community radio is a really interesting kind of just, I don't know, it's its its own creature. And you yeah. can have anything from gospel magic to, you know, uh, this, this is, you know, I remember Much Music back in the day had a show called The Wedge and everything that was alternative and weird was on it. Um, yeah. And that's where you really saw some some crazy stuff. But you can have anything like that on community radio because it's for the community. And then, you know, you have some really great just conversation shows that are on community radio. I think community radio is under, it's underfunded. That's for sure. Yep, I think it's absolutely. undervalued and underappreciated. And I think it's really under misunderstood. Um, I think it's something that really people need to turn their, their, their heads towards, their minds towards and realize that whether or not you go to Virgin or whatnot, you're going to get the same music. This is the music that's paid for through industry to be out on radio. And it's going to play six, seven, eight times a day. And it's going to repeat. But when you go to a community radio station, these folks curate their shows. I'll volunteer. I'll painstakingly yep. thinking about the music that they want to put out and what it represents and what they want to talk about. 
um, that's where you find the real like hidden gems and the magic, I think, in community radio. Some of it for okay. sure is going to be uh, a little less quality in terms of like the show programming or producing, but who cares? These yeah. people are doing it because for the love of music and they're so passionate about it and they know so much about the music. You can learn so much. Um, one of the guys at our station, he does a show called Soulful Shack and it's just all old soul music. And it's like, oh my God, like you forget yeah. about these things. Uh, another guy does, you know, moving and grooving. It's all retro R&B and funk. Uh, it's it, like just fantastic shows right we have one on the yeah. Beatles and beyond the Beatles you know from their early stages and uh who they inspired and and how their sounds um kind of came uh, out of where the what the Beatles were doing um you don't find that on regular radio yeah so then so what you were saying your show you got it over in Australia and you said some other places South Africa the UK so then so with it being on are they the community radio stations as well correct nope some some are just um, internet stations, like you know they have their company. Okay. Um, so for example, I'm on Chaos Radio in the UK. So this is chaos.co.uk, and I just connected with them, and I knew that they were going through a little bit of a change up in terms of branding and stuff, and I just kind of shot them uh, an email, and it's like this is who I am, this is where my show is, here's the links to my shows if you want to hear it. I'm just wondering if you'd ever be interested in something like this. Um, I'm not looking to be paid. I'm not looking for you to pay for the show. I'm just looking to get the music out there. And if this is programming that you think your station needs and would value, I would love to talk to you more about it. And so um, they have TV, they have radio, they have different video things. Um, oh. And yeah, they were like, this sounds great. We'd love to have you on. And so now every Friday at 8 p.m. in the UK, um, it comes on. And I have a system where I go and I upload the show. And um, it just it just plays. The same thing I do with in Australia with DR1, uh, DRN1, um, who are, have been fantastic uh, to, to work with. All the radio stations who have taken it on have been great because they tend to be like, okay, we have enough bandwidth and capacity for ourselves to create these shows. Yeah. Then we will fill it with music. We're paying for a license. We'll just fill it with music. But if you're just filling it with music and somebody comes along and says, I do this show and I will just send you the MP3 file. <laughs> they're like, so we don't have to do the work. I'm like, no, they're like, love it. So, you yep. know, sometimes others are not so much that way because they do, they are larger and they, you know, they want their people to be DJing or, or presenting shows directly from a studio. But yeah, sometimes it's just, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. So, yeah. so is your community radio station that the, the local one you're doing is, it, are you going into a station or are you doing this all from your house? Both. Um, so what I do is I like to go into the station. I like to go into the booth, Cecil, who's my producer, He's in, he's in the booth, I'm in the room, and he counts me down, and then he'll be like, no, and, you know, we, we go back and forth, but you can't always, because it is volunteer, so, for example, usually at this time during the day on a Wednesday, I would be at the station, but the oh. station is closed for the afternoon because um, 
one of one of the um, the wives of an older uh, man who has been with the station for years and years and years, who recently retired, she passed away. So the station has gone to, to the funeral. So I will do the recording at home and I will send the tracks into Cecil. He'll put it together and then we'll sit down and make sure everything is all right. But I like to be in the station. I, I like doing that. I did. Uh, I have a buddy in Portland, Oregon. Um, there, he was on a community radio there. Um, it's like a little tiny one in North Portland, and it's called KFFP. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, but he would take, and it was on from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., like on a, I guess, Wednesday morning, I think is what it was. And I mean, we, we'd be on there, and I, I'd go on, you know, just, you know, talk about whatever. But then most of it was, I mean, he was going on, he got really into like, he got really into SoundCloud rappers. And so he was just scouring that every day and you just come up with like new stuff all the time. And I mean, uh, I mean, but so then it would be stuff playing music with saying all kinds of stuff that you couldn't like, you know, you can't really say on the radio, but if it's playing on the music, it's okay. But, you know, I say, I say shit, you gotta dump it and go back, you know, the 15 seconds, but and then and then the song's like shit, 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 shit. <laughs> you know, like this is totally fine having that. But yeah, it is it's weird, you know, having it where once the person who is on the show says something, then it goes into that. But we also thought like, well, hey, maybe we can put our music on. And if we say say this stuff in the music, then we can kind of get around it but uh we never really got to that point though so but it's, is it something like that for you oh yeah 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 um so community radio um in in canada uh there's different like different different licensing right so our station is uh because it's community um there's you can't have there's a certain level of course language that you can't have so no f-bombs no n-bombs no c-bombs that kind of thing if we like shit turns up in uh in a song that's all right that's fine i don't we don't as presenters we don't but there's like you know ah eh, shit bitch whatever that's gonna get through that's gonna be fine it's when you get to the the language that's more you know people are gonna be like that could take it as being derogatory could be um, jarring jarring there, yes ear. exactly right which makes it really difficult for a community station to play a lot of rap music um there are some brilliant brilliant rap artists in the lgbt community who are really like taking the music by 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 the hand and being like you will not tell me that just because i'm gay or i'm queer or i'm bi or whatever that i can't make good rap music and they're really um they're really coming on strong but it is filled the music is filled with a lot of language like you basically if you had to bleep it all out there would be no song left um but that's that's their culture that's the culture of that music and, and what it is that they're trying to present um so to me i'm like even though i can't play it i have a podcast and i can play it there so when they send me that kind of stuff i reserve it for the podcast to make sure that it gets out there because yeah. i i totally believe that it deserves to be heard that's what i was going to ask you yeah if you can't put it onto the radio <laughs> you know how how are you out being able to because I mean, yeah, their their music is it, it's for a different audience, and you Completely. know, different different people are going to pick up on it. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, some some stuff has got to be 
presented a different way. And um, so then your, your podcast, is it, is it a separate or is it an extension of your, you said it was called Out Loud? Yep. So the radio show is called Out Loud and the radio show is primarily new. It's all new releases. Um, so new releases and every Friday I go through and pull off what all the new releases are and figure out, you know, what can be played. Plus the artists submit music to me. So they send it over to me um, and, and drop it to me. And uh, I go through it all. The podcast itself comes out. I try to make it come out every two weeks. I am way behind right now. Um, but because it's the editing, when you have a producer in the station, so much easier when you have to edit everything yourself, you're like, okay, so this will come out uh, in, <laughs> but um, the podcast is where I get into more discussions with the artists and it doesn't necessarily have to be a music artist. I've had people on who are this next podcast that's coming out this week um, is with uh, Lee Gallia from Australia, who is a film director and, and producer and writer and he has a new series out in Australia called single out so it's us sitting down talking about it and then we fill in the discussion with music from your artists right um and those artists have given me permission to play it on the podcast I don't monetize the podcast simply because there's music on there uh and full songs that the the artists wouldn't you know they they're entrusting it to me I'm not trying to make money off them uh so yeah but people listening to the podcast and listening to this conversation then get to hear some music that could be in the next episode or the next season of single out or i try to encourage folks who are not in music but are in other disciplines to also make sure that when they're looking for their music to to look into the community if they're if they're from the community yeah so then do you have people just sending you stuff all the time like you know so i mean how how cool is that like I mean, is there, is there like that, that inner hipster in you where you're like, I'm getting all this stuff first. You're like, I'm going to be showing you what, what's going to be cool. Like it's coming through the filter is me. Of course, of course <laughs> it's, it's that inner hipster is in there. Um, I love to hear, especially if it's something that really excites me and when something really excites me and it, I, I, I've been doing this since 2018, 2018. Yeah. Um, so five years now into it. Um, I really started in 2017, but kind of got the ball rolling in, in 2018. So we'll say five years into it. And I've made a lot of connections with a lot of artists, probably about a good 8,000, seven to 8,000 around the world. Um, and, you know, a lot of them know to just send it in. They know how to kind of do it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, bring it in. I'm like, send it on over. Then suddenly, because there's so many artists out there, you, you can't be in contact with everyone somebody will hit my inbox because another artist told them about what I'm doing and I won't have heard of them. And I'll be like, who's this now? And then I'll go and listen to it. And I'll be like, Oh, what is this? Right. And I get really excited by it. And it's like, it's coming out. I'm going to put this on the show this week. And I'm like, Oh damn it. It's not out for another month. And I'm like, Oh, I got to sit on this one, but then I'll be listening to it. And then I'll let the artist know. It's like, I have this on repeat right now, listening to it because I love it that much. And I cannot wait for this to be released because for a lot of those artists, they just want to be, they just want to know that they've been heard that somebody sees them, that somebody has taken an interest and actually has bothered to listen to the the song that they've created. Um, You know, it's, 
if you love music, I have no problem. People are like, I would really appreciate it if you would, you know, if, take a listen to it and tell me what you think. And I'm like, no problem. And people are shocked by that because a lot of the times in music, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they placate people. But I'm like, no, I mean, like, there's a lot for me to listen to, but I'm going to eventually get to this and get it out there. And I'll respond to them. I'll send them voicemails, like voice tracks on Instagram and yeah. be like, hey, I just want to, I've done that numerous times where I've seen somebody and it's come up. I don't, I'm not on TikTok. I have a TikTok account. I can't TikTok. I'm terrible. Um, it's just not you? my, it's not my thing. What? How old are you? I'm 55. I'll be 55 this year. Oh, holy shit. Okay. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So you're, you're, yeah. Cause I was, I wonder like anytime people are on TikTok over 40, if they're making content or if they're, you know, watching content, like if they're making content, what are they making? Or if they're what's popping up on their TikTok. But um, I tried to do, I was, whole thing about TikTok was that I was going to do 10 second reviews or 30 second reviews, right? Jump yep. on, here's a new song. You should check it out. It's playing in the background, blah, 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 blah. Here's my thoughts on it. But because I'm, I'm busy and I'm doing so many different things, um, the time it takes, I literally need somebody to say, okay, you're going to sit down and here are the ones that you're going to do. But if I have to think about what song will I do? How am I going to set this up? Where's the camera going to be? What's it going to look like? I, then I'm like, oh, I've got too much other things to do and I don't do it. So what I do is that a lot of the times artists will send me um, like a, a vertical video. Um, I'll throw that up on my TikTok rather than me trying to create something because anybody who's following me then will see that off my TikTok. That's how I can support them more. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, it, it's no one sort needs of like this. No one needs yeah. this. That's how it's to me. Like, that's why it's a podcast. Uh, you know, it's, um, I mean, you, you, this sort of your version of, of your, your Cecil in the production area being just able to have someone pop that, you know, the video all ready to go and you just have to upload it. Um, I think too, I, when you're yeah. older, um, you, you overthink a lot of these things because of work and because of whatever work you've done or industry that you've been, you think in terms of how you work. And how I work is very like, you know, we need to make sure this is done. This is lined up, blah, 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 blah. And, and that kind of thing um, where a lot of young people on TikTok are just kind of like, just place, hit record. I don't care. And they're just yeah. like throwing themselves at it. And I'm like, I cannot just do that. I cannot just do that. But I mean, it's, I don't think TikTok is necessarily a platform for me, for me. I think it's a platform yeah. for me to help others. And that's that's great i mean that's what everyone would love to have if anyone's an artist and you know so that it, it's you know got to be great for whoever is able to have that i mean I, i'd be fucking really happy you know if someone was like hey i'm gonna put your you know i mean could you imagine if producers did that uh you know just any producer just started doing that just like hey here's a song check it out like without you releasing it to you know just putting it out there beforehand it's probably a good way to gauge stuff too and kind of see what's what's tracking and you know what you know kind of what people are liking it's interesting because like I use Instagram a lot I use Facebook quite a bit too with groups and and just kind of you know as you do um but with Instagram I'll throw out 
like a song and then suddenly other artists or people are going like oh my god I love this I need to go get this right and it's a great way for other for those artists you know who created the song to find out that people are being responsive not just because they're their fans on their on their own feed because it's on somebody else's feed and there's response that's happening so then is there a little are you having a thing like where it will say you know this is from uh from from kenny that i heard this from on kenny's uh tiktok or the out loud tiktok or what it um, does is usually i will take if it, uh, a snippet of the song or um if they have sent me something or if i've gone in and you know um kind of taken and and gotten their uh, their clip from their feed and yeah. i'll put it up and typically what i do is it goes up as a, a new music alert and the artist's name and the song and then the link to because i'll have it on my uh playlist i have a playlist called new queer friday so where all the new releases go so i've got a few different playlists like that and i'll say now now featured on new queer friday um because people won't read that much so if i can say this is new music this is the artist this is the song here's where you find it um now go they'll come over they'll come listen to the song whether it's on my playlist or on their own um, they'll get the stream for it. And I have, you know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to build an audience on Spotify when you don't make music and you're just using a playlist, but I've got, I, I think I'm closing in about 1500 monthly followers on this playlist, awesome. um, which helps those artists that are on there. And I, you know, I don't curate in the sense where it's like, oh, this is a great song, but this one's, this one's not as good. Um, so it doesn't go on the playlist. I'm like, no, you're a new release. Get on the playlist. Um, everybody gets a shot, right? I think that, yeah. and there are people who listen to it religiously. Like they listen to it and that's where they find their music from. And I'm like, that's what it's about. That's what the share is about. Um, yeah. I, I don't need, I don't need the accolades. I don't need the whatever. Um but I need to know that people are taking a chance and listening to music that, you know, I think that will help them in some certain way or they may enjoy. Yeah. Well, okay. Hey, yeah. Uh, thank you for everything today. I'm happy we got to talk and meet each other. And uh, I was just like, you know, the good thing about it is just like, I can just hit record. I'm like, I wanted to talk to this, this guy here, man. Like <laughs> I, I felt like we, we could have, good good conversation here so i'm happy we got to do that and um so how are people going to find you uh besides uh following you you know down the sidewalk or something they can so there's a few different ways they can go to the website which is curatedbyq.com um c-u-r-a-t-e-d-b-y-q.com the letter q yep Okay. Dot com. Okay. Curated by Q.com. Um, on social media, I'm at the Q reviews and that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And it's at the Q letter Q reviews. Okay. Um, originally when I first started out, it was going to be the, the platform was going to be called, uh, the Q review. And then I was just like, Oh, what I got into right away was like, can you review this song for me? Can you, I was like, I've got no time to do reviews. I'm like, <laughs> what have I done? Um, so, uh, 
that's where they can find me on there. Um, if they, I mean, the Q at curatedbyq.com is the email, which is in, um, you know, my tree, which is on my link in bio. And I'm out wherever I can be uh, online. And I used to do a lot of Instagram lives. Uh, I might get back to doing that um, a little bit more. It was a really great way to kind of talk to artists. Um, I just have to get myself scheduled and organized a little bit better. So it's yeah, hard that- when somebody's in Australia and you're in Canada and you're 12 hours apart or sometimes yep. 15 and you're like, oh God, how are we going to do this? Podcasting yeah, I, is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I had some that we yeah, were in Australia or New Zealand and it's like, okay, well, you know, uh, maybe like, you know, two in the afternoon or eight in the morning or, uh, yeah, I was like, okay, but yeah, hopefully you can figure it out. And I mean, it's really cool that you were able to do this now, um, as far as being able to, you know, connect people all around the world this easily. And, you know, you'd be able to get your music out there and your, your show out there and you out there as much as possible. It's the, it's the good thing about COVID in a way is that we all had to stop and slow down and kind of take stock in what was around us and what was available to us that I think it gave some of us uh, a little bit of clarity um, as to all the things at our disposal. So I jumped into that. So what was your deal during COVID? What, what did you do? Did you, you know, jump into doing a lot more? um, I'm crazy first of all. So we we had COVID and I was just like, well, there's going to be no prides. What will people do? I know I'll do a three day online music festival for artists. Have I ever done one before? No, but I can do it. I'm sure I can. So I did this. I got 40, 40 some artists together over the course of three days. Um, we had discussion panels. We had a live DJ set. We had a drag show. And I literally did not leave my house or my basement for three days from Friday at like 6 p.m. until Sunday at midnight. And I was just like, what have I done? (laughs) I would do something like that again because it was super cool. Um, But I would think about it a lot differently and do it a lot differently. It was it was it was something to be to to experience for sure. Is that all available somewhere if people want to check that out? Some of it is, is it? on my YouTube. Yeah. Um, What's your YouTube? And, uh, and our the YouTube channel is uh, just uh, youtube.com slash Q review. Okay. Um, and uh, it, it some of it's there, but uh, a lot of it was kind of like it was a weird time because I did the whole thing by Zoom. And there was a lot of hackers and Zoom bombers at that point in time coming into the show. And actually, well, they would come in, they would um, come in and you wouldn't be able to tell who was doing it. And they would scatter the, um, the screen with hate speech. Yeah, it was wild. It was crazy. So then I had to close it off and you had to be able to be let in. So I knew who was coming in, which made it really difficult for some of the folks who just wanted to come and go. Um, so, because it was meant to be an open venue of just come listen to some cool music. And, you know, a lot of people re pre recorded their stuff and it was just a video playing, but at least they did it live in their own space. Um, and some of it was live, but yeah, a lot of hate speech and stuff like that, because 
people look for things like that, right? Like there's groups out there who will do that, who just want to destroy things. And so yeah. we tried it. It it didn't, you know, once it hit that point, then we closed the door. And then I was like, here's how you get in. And then, you know, just kind of went about it that way. But it was called One Love Live. Cool. Okay. One Love Live. And, but you know what? Uh, the people that, you know, love your everything you do and your show they're gonna be your fans but you know the haters are the ones that are gonna get you paid the haters they're gonna gonna, hate. yeah the haters are gonna hate they're gonna do it <laughs> it's gonna do this and it's, it's it's shitty that they do it but they're you know they don't they don't they're not running the three-day festival themselves they're not they're not out there crushing it so i just don't know how much time they have it they on their hands that they right. that this is what they choose to do because i'm like yeah. if i had more time on my hands certainly i wouldn't be applying it that way there's other yeah. things i could be doing but yeah, there, there, yeah there's a lot better things to be doing and yeah. you have a plenty long list of things you do and so um yeah so yeah thank you again so much thank for, you coming on and uh, i will get this out to uh, everyone um i'll get this out like i don't i don't edit so it makes my stuff very easy so i'll have this up uh, in an hour so um I'll, I'll get that over to you and uh thank you everyone for listening uh, over there in the studio audience um <laughs> I have them all over there. The, the house was light tonight, so I had to go and put them all over there and make it look like there was uh, all the seats were full. So, um, yeah, thank you, everyone. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that is the show, man.